know what that sound means. It's another exciting installment of the Van Brawl Seasons Podcast, where we talk local sports, both the Atlanta Pro franchises, like the Braves, Hawks, Falcons, and we also talk the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So strap in, guys. It's another exciting episode about to start right now. What up, podcast land? This is just Jam and Joe of the Fan Ball Seasons Podcast. And on tonight's episode, we're talking a little college baseball, some Atlanta Braves baseball, and we're going to have a special guest to come on and talk talk all things NFL Combine. With me tonight is a guy who subbed in on this show before. Our main man, RG3, is at a concert tonight in a mysterious location. So... What he's up to. So to go in his stint, we've got the one, the only Tom Green. Tom, how's it going, dude? It's going good, man. It's great to be back on the podcast, Joe, and uh, looking forward to a good show tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so let's get right into it, Tom. So we're gonna talk some college baseball first. So this weekend's a big weekend for clean old-fashioned hate hits the diamond. So Georgia has a new wrinkle with Tech this spring, playing a three-game series as opposed to three midweek games during the regular season, kind of spaced out. What are your thoughts on Georgia and Tech doing this? Or do you like the old format better? So I did like the old format a lot, but I didn't really realize they were doing this this season. But I think this is a good and new wrinkle that they should keep going forward. Um, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, they're playing the Friday night game here in Athens. Um, Saturday will be over at the um, – Trade school on North Avenue, and then um, Sunday's game is at Cool Ray Field. I feel like it'd be better to maybe play in the actual Braves Stadium, but I think Cool Ray's kind of cool too. It's between the two campuses. Uh, it's a nice field, so I think it's a I think it's a good tradition that they should keep going. I like how it's no longer a midweek. It's um, a little easier maybe for everybody to see to get to it. If they do it all in one weekend. And now we can play some other, um, hopefully maybe a little bit easier midweek matchups uh, later on in conference play. Because that's what a lot of the Tech games were, is they were during the middle of conference play. Right, right. And also, the thing that's going to be interesting is you're going to get to see, like, front-line pitching. Like, Georgia's going to get to shoot their best shot with Cole Wilcox and Emerson Hancock on Friday and Saturday. Like, Yeah. I mean, in the past, you always, it was a midweek game, so we, it was, you know, a bullpen day every Tech game. I remember we've been to a couple together. And yeah, it was always a good game. You had a good time, but uh, it's just not the same. Yeah, yeah. I think I think this will definitely be different. And go, going back to the ACC for one second, I do like the fact that Georgia is playing both Tech and Clemson in the same year. Oh yeah, I'm I'm very, you know, I, I don't know that Georgia Tech's as good this year as they've maybe been in the past in baseball, but. Uh, Usually, Tech and Clemson are pretty good baseball schools. I think it's a great call to uh, play them. Uh, I think last year, maybe the year before, they played Clemson a good bit. Yeah. Um, well, remember last year was that incredible, like, 21-inning Georgia-Clemson game. Right, right. And ended at, like, 2 in the morning or something. Right, like that. Do right. Do you remember that? I do remember that. That was crazy, man. But, yeah, I, I think playing Clemson makes a lot of sense. It's a good midweek game. It gives you a chance to play quality opponent. Um in your midweek instead of just playing, you know, all the Georgia schools. No doubt, no doubt. So, Tom, we're going to transition. We're going to keep the baseball talk going. Um, we're going to talk some Atlanta Braves. And kind of my first big picture topic with you here. So, King Felix Hernandez and a host of others are competing for the last rotation spot 
Who would you like to see emerge from camp to win the last two rotations? Well, you know, I think uh, Felix Fernandez is a pretty great pitcher. You know, he's a veteran. So I think he's probably got a, a good sh- chance of getting on the roster in the rotation. Um, but some guys I'd like to see, you know, Kyle Wright. Uh, like to see him have a big year and maybe at the very least be in our pen and, you know, maybe get, there's going to be injuries, you know, I mean, it happens. So he may end up getting spot duty down the line um, or even a guy like Bryce Wilson. Even if Wilson doesn't make the roster this year, I mean, having a good spring training will just set you up well for, you know, being at AAA Gwinnett and maybe having a big year the following year. I, I'd like to get your thoughts on it too. What do you, what do you think, Joe? Well, well, some guys that I that I really like, I I agree. I think Felix Hernandez can come in and really be an impact guy. Uh, his fastball wasn't as electric as it's been, but he's got a really good curveball and he's got really good off-speed stuff. He he's got a lot of experience though, Tom too, which is big for the for this Braves rotation, which has a lot of young guys. Some young guys that I really like. I agree with you about Kyle Wright. I think we really need to see. If he's gonna stick, or if he's gonna be trade bait or not, I like Tuki Tucson as well. I really like Bryce Wilson, but I'm gonna give you a guy that I really like, but I don't know if he's gonna be here yet, but maybe later in the year. And that's Ian Anderson, arguing the Braves' best pitching prospect of them all. Like yet, yet to really go to AAA and pitch, but I, but I think if he has a solid spring, I think he's gonna be on their radar. You know, for down the line, but as far as like the immediate, who I think is gonna, who I think can make an impact, of the young guys, Wilson, Wright, Tucson. I think it's time for one of those three to really take a next step forward. Yeah, I, I like I like what you said there. I mean, I think uh, I'd forgotten about Tucson a little bit. He's he's a guy that could could show us some things. Um, I know, I think Hernandez, the the veteran, having veteran arms on a staff, I think has really been lost in recent years. Right, I mean, people it. It's they're they've it's been devalued I think across Major League Baseball right. to a large degree but that could be a huge thing not just obviously having the veteran guy but what he can mean to the other pitchers on the team exactly um, then we also we also picked up Cole Hamels but he hurt he his arm he, or something he's got yeah he he's got a inflamed shoulder so he's taking it easy so that's why there are two spots open one other guy one last guy I want to get your thoughts on is Sean Newcomb. You know, he did a great job out of the bullpen last year for the Braves. You know, you know, what do you think about Newcomb? I know they want, they meaning the Braves, they want to give Newcomb every chance to, you know, win, win one of the jobs. I mean, I think he's got the potential to do it. And I have heard, Tom, that he has developed a changeup. So he's a fastball, curveball, changeup guy. I think the changeup is starting to come for Newcomb. So. Well, you know, I like Sean Newcomb. He's got, he's, his fastball, curveball are very good. Those are two really good pitches. If he can develop a changeup, I know I've come on this program before, before Brave seasons, and said, you know, pounded the table and said, we got to, pitching's not just about having a curveball and a fastball. You got to have three pitches minimum that are decent. Right. Um, at a major league level to really stick around long term. And right. so, yeah, I'm, I hope he does have a great changeup. But, I, you know, I was reading an article earlier today about, by one of the Braves' beat writers and, uh, I can't remember the name of the guy who wrote it, but you know he was talking about Fulty and Newcomb were still were. He said they were locks to make the starting rotation right now, and if that's the case, I'm a little bit worried about the team. Yeah, I know Fulty had a down year last year, but 
you know, I'm not sure that he's really... I think you've sold me on Fulte needing to go out to the pen. I think him and, and Newcomb would be great additions to the bullpen. I mean, Newcomb did a terrific job last year. I think I think he would do a really good job out of the bullpen as well. I really like what you could get out of Fulte because he doesn't have to think. He can just pitch, Yeah, which is what needs to happen. So You just tell him, come in, get these three outs. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Tom, we're going to move to the main part of the show, and we're going to make – a quick call on the Fan for All Seasons fan line, and we're going to talk some NFL Combine. So, Tom, we go to the Fan for All Seasons fan line, and we bring on a guy who knows a lot about strength and conditioning, as well as football and both college and NFL, and that is one Coach David LaPlaga, my former uh, weightlifting coach at UGA. Coach David, how's it going, man? Good. How are you doing, Joe? We're good. We're good. So, Coach, we're going to talk some NFL Combine. You, me, and Tom here. So, to get things started, uh, my first question for you, with the NFL Combine coming up starting tonight as we speak and into this weekend, as a strength and conditioning coach, what are you looking most forward to seeing as far as the Combine coverage this weekend? I'm going to be keeping my eye on the linebacker and defensive line position drills that they perform this year in case there are any new drills. If there are, this will be something that I'll be pairing. Zach Mez day to get ready for them for his upcoming pro day at Temple University on March 16th. Uh, the the position drills are something that you know it's it's one of the toughest things to prepare for just because you don't always know exactly what they're going to throw at you. So if anything is new, I'd be keep my eye out for it. Hey, Coach uh, Tom Green here. Um, when you're preparing, hey, when you're preparing a guy like uh, like Zach for the NFL Combine, what's the most challenging exercise, or what's the most challenging part of the workout to simulate this for the uh, for the athletes in order to be ready for an event like this? The most challenging part of the workout to simulate are the position drills, such as backpedaling, flipping the hips bag drills, intercepting the football. You know, going into the Combine or Pro Day that you'll perform the four-yard dash, the shuttle run, the three-cone drill, the vertical jump, the broad jump, and the bench press. But you don't always know all the position drills that they're going to have you perform. So you prepare with as many types of drills that they have done in the past, so you're prepared as possible. So, Coach, my next question for you here. So give us a little bit of background on Zach. Um, you know, being you know being uh, at Temple, you know, a local guy that you've been training with, just kind of give us some insight on him. Well, first of all, he has a great story. Just uh, if you want the definition of resilience and mental toughness, you just listen to any of the recent interviews that he's done. And um, he's a lot of fun to train with. He puts in a tremendous amount of work. Um, the type of, you know, training that we're doing with Zach for his pro day involves weight training, plyometrics, resisted sprints, assisted sprints, traditional sprints, agility drills, and then linebacker, defensive line position drills. And you know, I can go into some of those briefly here. Uh, we perform the weight training to implement you know, ideal mechanics while continuing to build strength and power that will translate to all the drills on his pro day. Plyometrics, which are explosive jumping exercises, will help with everything from the 40-yard dash or the vertical jump test. And we will do these with a weight vest on and a band, both resisted and assisted. Resisted meaning, you know, it makes it harder. Assisted meaning it's actually helping him jump further 
with that band assistance of pulling them up higher or pulling them out further. Resisted sprints are done with a sled behind Zach, so this forces us to push harder into the ground, which is one of the most important components of running. Assisted sprints are done with a band attached to Zach's waist, and it pulls him forward while he is sprinting, like you're running a downhill sprint, and this just forces him to run faster than he ever has run before. Traditional sprints, we'll do these 10, 20, occasionally 40 yards. After performing the uh, resisted and assisted sprints, it feels like you're flying because your body's used to pushing harder into the ground and then moving at a faster rate. So once you do the traditional sprints, you just feel extremely fast. And then we'll perform assisted, resisted, and traditional jelly drills like the 5 and the L drill like we do for our sprints. And at the end of every training session, we're going to perform specific linebacker and defensive line drills as well. And that's what the scouts are going to be doing on this pro day. So, Coach, uh, being a former linebacker, and obviously you're training Zach, who's a linebacker, uh, what's your advice for, for players going forward to the combine? You know, I've, I've, obviously I've never been, but I've heard a lot about the combine. You know, a lot of the guys, uh, a lot of the pundits say that it's not just the, the physical events, but it's the interviews with the teams. What, what kind of advice do you give to players going forward for this event? Well, for Zach specifically as a linebacker, you know, we will perform, like I mentioned a few times here, the position drills at the end of a training session. So from a tactical standpoint, um, you know, Zach, he's already very proficient at, you know, all the movements required of being a great linebacker, great edge rusher. So, you know, there's a little bit there, but honestly, he's, he's got it nailed down. In regards to from uh, – you know, from what he wants to say, how he wants to, um, how he wants to market himself and portray himself to the scouts. You know, it's really just all about being honest and being himself. Honestly, his story tells, you know, a lot about him overcoming adversity. And you know, honestly, when you look at successful players in the NFL, it's not the ones that have the most talent but it's the ones that put in the work and that are willing to, you know, push themselves to be great. You, know, you look at great players like Jerry Rice and you look at players like Tom Brady. You know, these players are going to be remembered for being the best players in the NFL of all time. But Jerry Rice coming out of college, you know, he didn't necessarily, he wasn't necessarily the fastest person. And then you look at Tom Brady, they always show his, you know, combine drills and <laughs> they show him getting weighed in with his shirt off and, you know, it's nothing to boast about, but you know, they took what they had and they made the most of everything that they had. And, you know, that's what Zach does. And, you know, that's one of the things that makes him fun to work with. And, you know, that's all he needs to do is be himself because the scouts and anybody that speaks with him and sees all the work that he's put in, you know, I can't imagine a team that wouldn't want them to be, Zach to be a part of their organization. So, so Coach, be, being up there in Pennsylvania and Philly, in that neck of the woods, were you were you fortunate enough to see Zach play in college? And if so, like what stood out to you about him? In person, I have not seen Zach play in college. I've seen a lot of his film. You know, I was very fortunate to be able to help him out with uh, you know a prospect film we put together. So it's um, you know I've seen a lot of his plays. Really, what stood out to me most is his relentlessness, and so. One of my favorite plays on his highlight film is he's playing University of Maryland, 
and it was it was a very long play, and you know the quarterback was scrambling outside the pocket, and he's still you know working off of an offensive lineman, and he ends up making the sack in the backfield. And if a player, a lot of players would you know you know likely have stopped trying, stopped pursuing the quarterback. It's a long play. You know, maybe somebody gets fatigued. Maybe somebody just, you know, doesn't want to put in the effort anymore. But he kept fighting off that block and made the sock in the backfield. And, you know, his pursuit on plays, and that's what stands out to me, is his just relentless, relentlessness to get to the quarterback, make a play, you know, no matter what's going on on the field. And, you know, people will say he's undersized, even though he is, you know, over six foot tall, 240 pounds, which, you know, majority of it's all muscle. And, you know, to me, that's not really undersized, but people may say that. But, you know, he, he makes up for whatever people say he's lacking in, in his work ethic and hustle. So, Coach, you mentioned you've seen some of his, uh, his tape from when he was in college. Do you use, incorporate uh, video work into any of the workouts to, you know, show Zach what he's doing during the workout or maybe uh, showing uh, video of other athletes who've gone through the combine experience, that kind of thing? Uh, good question, Tom. We do record Zach training, and I will highlight aspects of his technique. Doing this is a great way to reinforce what he is doing well and is another way to learn in addition to just providing verbal and visual cues. Sometimes it's helpful to see what you're doing uh, to fully develop. It is important as well though not to overcoach through this process. Providing only a few cues at a time is a great way to help the athlete develop at an appropriate pace. And so, um, you know, for example, if we're looking at running technique or we're looking at, you know, transitions on an agility drill, you know, sometimes, you know, it's, it's one thing for me to say something, but it's another thing for, you know, Zach to actually see it, see it for himself. So it definitely has its place. And, I do find it beneficial. Along those lines, Coach, how long have you uh, and Zach been working together in preparation for this weekend? Right now, we're, we just finished up our eighth week of training. And so we have two more weeks until um, – so four, we'll have a couple more training sessions until it's pro day on March 16th. Okay. So that's a lot of, a lot of work y'all put together. Yeah, yeah, a lot of work, a lot of work. So, so Coach – um, my next question for you, so the University of Georgia will be well represented at the NFL Combine. What former dogs are you interested in checking out uh, this weekend? If I had to pick one, I'd say DeAndre Swift. His father works with my uncle at a training facility, and he is from Philadelphia. Uh, the Combine is a great opportunity to showcase how much work you're willing to put in to preparation, and I hope he does well. No doubt about it. Along those lines, Coach, uh, what other players, uh, obviously other than UGA or, or Zach, are you looking forward to uh, seeing at the Combine? Honestly, um, outside of, you know, re- really I'm just looking at Zach Nesbitt performing at his pro day. Uh, the athletes that I coach are, you know, what mean the most to me. And right. like I said, I'll be looking at the linebackers and defensive linemen in general. Um, looking at their position drills and seeing if there's anything that can further help our training. But, you know, really that's all I'm looking at. All right. All right. Well, Coach, thank you so much for coming on and uh, talking to us about, uh, about Zach and, you know, the combine and 
you know, his, his upcoming pro day. Uh, co- Coach, give Zach the best of luck from Tom and me and those of us that uh, on the show. And uh, we'll, we'll be rooting for him, you know, with the pro day and wherever he finds a home in the NFL. We'll, hopefully we'll be talking about him, you know, on, on a podcast. That'd be great, Joe. And thank you very much, Joe and Tom. It's awesome talking with you guys. All right. Thank, thanks, Coach. Take care. So, Tom, that was a great interview we did uh, with our man, Coach David. I can tell you, working with him back at UGA, he's a great coach. You know, you really, you really learn like technique. He's a big technique guy, and you you really learn a lot from him. And I've learned so much like about myself from weightlifting, uh, just from training with him and stuff that I use even today. Like yeah. I keep tabs with him on like what I'm doing currently. Like he's just. He's a great resource. He's we've had him on before. Excuse me. He talked about like um, you know workout plan and stuff like that. He's really knowledgeable, knows his stuff. And uh, I think I've just found a, a new guy uh, in terms of the NFL that I'm keeping an eye on, and it's Zach Misday. I hope uh, wouldn't mind seeing the Falcons get him. The Falcons need a linebacker. We need a linebacker. He could be a dirty bird. I know that would make you pretty uh, he, pretty happy. Because the Falcons seem to fit in with undersized linebackers. That's what Dan Quinn wants. Look at Deion Jones. I mean, that that is the way forward, though, in the NFL. It really I is. I mean, when you're talking about you're, really your base defense now is nickel. Yeah. So, depending on how many down linemen, you might do three down linemen, three backers. Yeah. Or you might do traditional nickel, four and two. But... I mean, you're looking at you. You got to have a faster backer who can yeah. cover guys and stop the run. Yeah. So I mean, I I don't think 240 pounds is. I, he I, might be maybe a little shorter than your average linebacker, right. but he, he's not undersized. No, in terms no, not of at all, not at all. And and if people at the NFL think that's undersized, then they're they're yeah, that's they're not they're, <laughs> they're off the rocker a that, little bit. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm uh. The dogs are killing it out on the diamond, you know. We got the combine coming up. The, the XFL is successful right so now. Before we get out of here, you're a big XFL guy, so kind of talk to me about that for a second. Yeah, you know, it's uh, I don't know. Look, I like the NFL's okay. I don't have a team and a dog in the hunt really, but I've been tuning in for the XFL for the last two or three weeks. I think. Have you heard about this quarterback PJ Walker? Supposedly yes, he's like the dude real- is lighting it up, and he's from Temple. What? Is that where he went to school? Yeah, really? under Matt Rule. He was a Temple Owl. Yeah, he's been lighting the world on fire. I, he's playing for June Jones with the Houston Roughnecks. Oh. And it's it's crazy. I think he's got, through three weeks, he's got 11 or 12 touchdown passes. That's cool. Um, it's been pretty cool. There's some cool... There's some cool things that the NFL should should adopt. Out okay. Of this. Number one, the games all last like three hours. Okay. Or less. They're all like under three hours, and so they shorten the halftime. I think that's how they got a lot of it. But then there's some other rules where things go move quicker. There's also some cool things when it comes to like reviewing stuff, yeah. or when they call penalties. The, it doesn't take forever. You know how in the NFL, like the, or even college, it they'll throw forever. a flag and it'll take forever for them to decide yeah. whether it's a pass interference, who's it on, yeah. how many yards. So not only does it not take very long. But they, um, you hear on the broadcast the discussion between the crew. That, that is interesting. So there's this complete transparency. And when they review it, you're hearing the discussion between the review official, looking at what the review official is looking at, and his discussion with the crew chief. That is pretty interesting, dude. And they add, they add an extra referee nice. that 
the entire that extra referee's entire job is just to spot the ball, which is why the game goes faster. Really? Okay. And the the play clock is shorter, so I think it's I think it's like twenty five seconds. Twenty five seconds is the old college rule. Okay. But then all so all of the skillful player all the skill players on the field have headphones in their helmets and the quarterback does as well. Cool. So the coach literally calls the plays to all of them. It's it's a, it's pretty interesting. If you haven't checked out the XFL yet, you should tune in. That's cool. Um, they, you know, there's usually they've been doing two games on Saturday, two on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, it's so uh, you know it's pretty neat. That's cool. So for Tom Green, thank you again so much for coming on. I'm Jam and Joe. This has been another exciting installment of the Fan Ball Seasons podcast, and we'll talk to you next week. See ya.